Hello, and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and this is our Wednesday show, where we niche down to a single topic, think about a question, and unpack the rest. This week, we are talking about the thing that has everyone tweeting, reacting, and changing their mind about one of the most famous venture firms out there right now. It's the fact that Adam Newman is back, this time with a real estate company, a billion-dollar valuation, and lots of hot takes. So obviously the comeback is controversial and we're asking a question in return. Is the return a result of vision, track record, or Adam Newman privilege? Thankfully, not alone, as always. Um, I'm joined by the wonderful Anita Ramaswamy, who hosts Chain Reaction. Anita, thanks so much for jumping back on equity. You're almost a regular at this point. Yeah, good to be here. We have a lot of hot takes to get through, so I'm excited. I know. Well, we were saying before with this episode that it's going to feel a little bit therapeutic to talk through the reaction and then actually get to some of the facts and investor perspectives here. But I wanted to really start with why are both of us talking about Adam Newman? Neither of us were really on the WeWork beat and you covered the first story I saw on this. So tell us how you ended up here. Right. So I normally cover crypto and fintech, as you all know, on Chain Reaction and otherwise. And so WeWork and Adam Newman is pretty outside of my wheelhouse. But in May, you know, I saw the news that he had actually raised funding for a startup called Flow Carbon from Andreessen Horowitz. So that was pretty wild. It's a startup that does like tokenized blockchain-based carbon credits. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of scammery going on in that like general space. Not saying that every single company operating in it is total BS or anything like that, but basically they're trying to make a more tradable, more liquid market for carbon credits by putting them on the blockchain. Obviously, there's a lot of problems with that and a lot of complications and concerns because the blockchain itself takes up a bunch of energy, isn't the most climate friendly thing. So when that story came out, it raised a lot of eyebrows and people were like, okay, first of all, it's wild that he's gotten more funding from A16Z. It's wild that he got funding at all. And he was listed as a co-founder of that startup at the time. Mm -hmm. So even though it was sort of run by him, his wife, Rebecca, and then a couple of others, including the CEO. So it was like a group of four or five people listed as co-founders, but still Adam Newman was on that list, which is what caught my interest. Yeah. That he had a new crypto venture. I mean, I actually remember like yesterday because we talked about it on Equity, a headline from Chain Reaction, which was, does WeWork's Adam Newman really deserve his second chance? And that was May 26, 2022. And here we are talking about Adam Newman and if he really does deserve another chance. And I think that was like the deja vu moment I had where it's not his his second chance with this new company, Flow, similar name, same investor. Yeah. It's his third chance. Why is there that confusion? Because I feel like it's something that a lot of people are asking about is like, didn't this already happen like a few months ago? <laughs> yeah, I was super confused by this too. So I woke up yesterday morning and I saw all over my Twitter feed that there were people talking about Adam Newman getting funding for this new startup called Flow. And his old startup as of May was called Flow Carbon. So first of all, they already have like these similar names. So I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. And then they're in completely different industries too. And so I at first thought that maybe he had raised more funding for Flow Carbon. When I actually looked into it, no, like that's a crypto startup. They actually took his name off of the team page. Even when they were first sort of pitching this around to reporters, like it never seemed like Flow Carbon wanted to emphasize their affiliation with Adam Newman. It's something that people picked up on because his name was listed there, but they weren't like marketing it with him. Flow, meanwhile, which again, I saw the news yesterday, you know, the New York Times reported on it as well as Mark Andreessen himself put out an announcement that Flow had gotten this check from them. And Adam Newman was front and center. Like he was the main guy. And I think a lot of the reason behind that is because it's a real estate business. At the end of the day, he wants to do 
something to like revolutionize residential real estate. Right. There's not a ton of details, but it makes a lot more sense to be putting him front and center of a real estate company versus emphasizing his role in a crypto startup where he has absolutely no track record or experience. Totally. And I think that's why it struck a different nerve this time, because unlike the crypto thing, which was kind of easy to attribute to the general wave of crypto and celebrities and questionable characters, yeah. a real estate company from Adam Newman was kind of like, whoa, this is very close to home. Um, I want to talk about, there's so many similarities and it would actually be really fun to talk about these two kind of flow startups we're seeing, but let's focus on the most recent one, which as you mentioned, the New York Times reported on a 350 million round led or fully from Andreessen Horowitz. Fully, I believe, yeah. Okay, so Andreessen Horowitz put 350 million into Adam Newman's new company, Just Flow. What else do we know about it at this point? That was the only reporting I saw out there. Yeah, that it was a one billion dollar valuation and that they aren't operating yet, so they haven't made any revenue. All they have right now is a bunch of properties that Adam Newman has basically purchased, and the company is going to, I think, own and operate them going forward okay. in a bunch of different markets. So, like, he has some in Miami, he has some, I think, in Nashville, like all over the country, and he's bought these apartments units. And he basically plans to turn this into some sort of like community-based residential real estate project. And what's super interesting about this, it's actually two things that stuck out to me. One of them is that this funding is a lot bigger than what he got from Flow Carbon. Okay. For Flow Carbon, they raised 70 million as their first round of institutional funding. Still insane. Still insane. And also it wasn't all from one firm though. Whereas mm -hmm. this is 350 million reportedly all coming from A16Z, which is why it's a bit more notable. The other thing that stuck out to me is I was digging into the history of WeWork, like recently watched We Crashed and everything. And <laughs> oh I obviously had to like fact check the movie. Like I'm one of those annoying people on date night. Like <laughs> I know you're sitting like there. <laughs> Googling Loki. I do that all the time where I'm like, all right, am I working right now? Is this fun? <laughs> I know, I know. And I'll be like talking through the TV show and my boyfriend hates it. But anyway, um, yeah. So I watched that recently and it was funny because Adam Newman has actually tried something like this before. Like his first idea before WeWork was about doing some, he grew up on a kibbutz. And so he had this idea of like, bringing commune style living to residential real estate. And that never really took off. But with WeWork, he did try to launch this thing called We Live. Yes. And they only ended up having like two properties in the country and then it sort of fizzled out. But I thought it was a kind of throwback to that moment. Oh my God, yeah. It's like nostalgic, if that's even the right word. I'll think of a better word eventually because it's, <laughs> it's not as romantic as nostalgia, but it's like We Live was- Different connotation. Yeah. It, it, we Live was like such a moment in WeWork's history because it was trying to like bring community that WeWork was pitching from its co-working space into living situations. And it sounds like Adam Newman is very much, like you said, trying to do this in residential spaces. And another detail I saw in the New York Times story that really stood out to me. And, you know, honestly, I was like, I would love to see this happen because I am renting right now is like this idea that oftentimes renters have zero equity in their property. And that's like this frustration where I feel like I'm just putting money out there and it's not like ever going to help me get money back. So, right. It's not an investment. It's just yeah. losing cash. I would love to see that principle of ownership show up. But that was kind of like where my understanding of the startup kind of stopped is like it is still super early and 2023 is the plan launch. So over $1 billion valuation, hundreds of millions in venture capital before launch. Yeah. And all they have is just like some apartment units that they own. So I don't know. And I thought that was interesting, too, because in the announcement from Mark Andreessen, who actually wrote it himself. I wouldn't know. He blocked me on Twitter. 
<laughs> I haven't been blocked yet. So, uh, you know, I did see his tweet with the announcement with a couple of fiery emojis in there. But <laughs> Okay, glad I'm missing out on that. <laughs> right, right. Some great content. No, but, but in, in the announcement, you know, he had talked about, you know, Adam is going to like change the way that we live and he's going to revolutionize real estate. But there were not that many details at all, even high level about what the strategy is. There was some hint of maybe they're going to do something in this ownership space of yeah. like rent to own. But it wasn't a definitive like, oh, that's actually happening. I know. I'm like latching onto it as like, that's so cool. <laughs> but I don't know if it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Theoretically. Yeah. But let's put a pin on in the news because I know you're going to be on the TechCrunch podcast this Saturday with Daryl talking about Adam Newman and WeWork and Flow yet again. Yes, the details that we do have. <laughs> yes, definitely. But I want to dig into something we're talking around, which is there's not many details. It's a return of a very controversial founder. And actually, like that was part of the reason we felt a little unsure doing a follow-up piece, which this episode is rooted on, spoiler alert, in the first place. I was a little worried because we don't know too much and the details are so sparse. Like, should we even be giving more oxygen to something as reporters? Because we saw this with Adam Newman's rise for WeWork, right? Like journalists really lifted up this narrative, bought into it and really chronicled it every step of the way. And part of me was a little worried that is part of the point of this Andreessen's biggest check ever and Adam Newman's comeback to get TechCrunch to be doing a follow-up story, a podcast, multiple podcasts about it. That was my insecure side. And yeah, we landed on covering it eventually. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting dilemma too, because in some ways, like all press is good press. I hate that that's true, but yeah. just by like saying the name and giving it airspace that like it gets people's attention. And now everyone knows what Adam Newman is doing. But I think at least for me, and I know we had discussions about this before, Natasha, about like, should we, shouldn't we? Yeah. You know, are we going to go ahead with it? Was ultimately like everyone was chatting about this in all of my circles. And I think there was a lot of emotion behind that, a lot of outrage as to like who gets funded versus who doesn't. And what does this actually mean for the larger VC ecosystem that someone like Adam Newman has had this big of a comeback, you know, despite all of his mishaps, failures, whatever it is that you want to call them, like WeWork had a ton of controversies. And so it's really interesting to see him like step back on the scene with venture backing from like the biggest name in VC, arguably. Yeah, I always turn back to like advice I got like during my first internship from a reporter and he was just like, oftentimes like things only feel cliched to us because we live them. But if we notice it, someone else maybe wants to feel heard or would benefit from just hearing what you're seeing on the ground. And that was one of the moments where I was like, okay, like we live and breathe startups and tech. And a lot of people who are reacting viscerally to this do as well. That said, something about capturing the emotion during this time felt important because we all know that women and people of color don't get second chances at the same rate that white males do. Yeah. But the fact that people still felt so emotional to me is like, people are numb, but they still felt something. So that feels like a story in a way. Yeah. And I also wanted to be fair in how I looked at this too, right? Like we always talk about, I think failure is like a big topic in Silicon Valley and it's always like mm -hmm. glamorized and romanticized and seen as this good thing. But the ways that Adam Newman and WeWork failed are a lot more pervasive. It's not just like the venture didn't work out. It's also like there were issues of harassment brought up and there were issues of discrimination. And like there were there was all sorts of shit going on there that I thought, you know, this is really the time that we need to unpack it because there's so much storytelling done yes. through things like We Crashed. But I also want to make sure, like, let me take a step back. Like, am I giving this guy a fair chance? You know, like, and at the end of the day, I don't think that really changed my conclusion too much. <laughs> yeah. But- 
I will say I wanted to give it that kind of rigorous look because I know that there's other people who might argue like this investment makes a lot of sense, which I know we're planning on talking about. Totally. Like just because the story is repetitive or some of the hot takes are predictable doesn't mean it's not worth writing or sharing. And I feel really good that we ended up writing it, honestly. And now I just think we're having a one-on-one, but (laughs) I feel like I'm like happy that we did because based on some of the reactions I'm hearing so far, people just wanted to feel like they weren't crazy for having any reaction, period. And I'll end with this other bit, which is seeing something like this happen is contrarian in this moment. We haven't even started talking about the downturn yet, but all I heard in my years of covering early stage venture is all investors think about is track record and success and like looking at references and due diligence. <laughs> I, you put air quotes around that. No one else can see that, but yes. just throwing it out there. Due diligence. I know. I wish there was a way to like express air quotes because that's like half of what we do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so because it feels really like, wait, weren't you guys all telling us that that's what matters here and honesty matters here, but then we're going to go and invest in someone who has been proven to be dishonest and doesn't have the best references on the market. It just felt like one of those moments where it's like, okay, we got to do something about this. Right. This is the big question for me, right? Like if you take Adam Newman outside of the picture, right? He obviously has his own controversies, which we're going to get into. But what about the business? Was the business worth this sort of check and this sort of investment? It's a really interesting question to ask, especially at this moment. I mean, like we talked about, we don't have a bunch of details, but in theory, it sounds like it could be a good idea. And so was WeWork. Really before the pandemic, it was super prescient. Like people were not thinking about co-working spaces or like that community aspect of things. And that was something a lot of people really enjoyed. And at the end of the day, like is still around despite all of the mishaps that happened at the corporate level. I'm so glad you said that. And I think that's where a lot of people tune out is like people either love or hate Adam Newman or love or hate WeWork. And it's like, things can be true at the same time. I think Dan Premack tweeted this where it's like, yeah, I don't even know the tweet off the top of my head, unfortunately, but it's like, things can be true. Like WeWork and Adam Newman could have been a disruptive business in person and it could also have been full of a lot of issues and toxicity. But Flo, his newest company, it also is a good idea. Like it's also like we clearly need the rental real estate market to be disrupted. And and I think that's something that Mark Anderson mentioned in his post where he was like, there's been a lot focused, yeah. sometimes accurately, again with my air quotes. That's me quoting him though. Oh, quoting someone does not work well on podcasts. <laughs> but Mark Anderson was basically like, there's not enough weight being put on the fact that Adam Newman did something great and did something disruptive. And so I feel like that's a good segue into some of the reactions we heard. Yeah. And like I think going back to one of you questions you said, which is like, was the business worth the check? Did you end up hearing a yes or no from anyone that you were interviewing? Yeah, so I did. I talked to uh, Matt Conwell, who is the founder of Rare Breed Ventures. They are a VC firm. They invest in pre-seed and seed companies. And must follow on Twitter also. He's great. Yeah. Mac the VC, he gave me a really interesting take, which was basically that like, if you put yourself in the shoes of A16Z and you're thinking about this investment, it makes a lot of sense because at this point, when we're seeing an economic downturn, people want to invest in areas that they consider to be safe. And you wouldn't think that on the surface, it seems like a safe investment to back Adam Newman, right? Like everything blew up. He lost $40 billion worth of value, right? right, Under his tenure at WeWork. However, He is a guy who has a track record of building a multi-billion dollar real estate business. And there are not that many people who can even say that they've done that. And if you pair that with the idea that most founders, like their first venture is not the most successful one. Oh my God. It always takes a couple of tries. You can see why an investor would look at this and say like, okay, maybe this is worth a bet. 
I mean, it's a huge bet that they've made, obviously, but still. But I think the counterpoint to that that Mac also shared was like, that is sort of Andreessen's playbook. Yeah. They've never really deviated from that. And they don't really have to. Like, they can keep backing the same set of like white guys who always fundraise. And they can keep winning based on that because that's something they can easily sell to their investors. Whereas taking a chance on, it, it's almost like the devil you know versus the devil you don't, right? Yeah, right. In, in a way, like as you're saying that, I'm thinking like, it's an outlier fund backing an outlier VC. Like, why are we surprised? It's like, we're not, is the answer. Yeah. We saw Andreessen Horowitz do this with Clubhouse, which completely different story, but people were super surprised that Clubhouse has this reported $4 billion valuation before even launching fully to the public. And I believe Andreessen Horowitz has also backed Parker Conrad. And I was talking to a VC and he was just like, they do love backing like the fallen star who can still prove ambition. And in some ways, like if I had to take away Adam Newman from this or some of the drama around his previous company, like venture is really born for outliers, right? So I wonder if it was like, if it wasn't going to be Andreessen, would it have been someone else? I think so. Like, I think someone would have backed Adam Newman. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I do want to pause here and actually like bring up one point about Andreessen making this investment, which is that I know Mark Andreessen caught some flack recently for um, opposing building. Thank you for bringing this up. Affordable housing in his own neighborhood. So it's just an ironic time, right? To see him sort of put out this press release. He's going to block me after this. I know. I was like, I know you're definitely jinxing yourself, but welcome to the club. (laughs) But like to see him put out this press release about like changing the nature of housing and like, you know, making housing more affordable and we have a housing crisis and like Adam Newman is the guy to fix it. Like, I think what Mac taught me in our conversation was that I really have to step out of my initial reaction to this and think about it from the perspective of a VC solely. Like their job is to make a financial return for their investors and they can do it this way. It's very possible that this is going to be something that's lucrative for them. So I guess the question becomes like, the business makes sense to me, I think at a high level, based on what little we know, but is Newman the right guy to do it? And is A16Z really like the firm to make it happen and to bankroll this? Like, that's where I kind of get stuck in terms of like, I don't know, Natasha, like I'll throw this question out to you. Like, would you trust a business run by Adam Newman with your home? Like to manage and operate the company that runs your home. I mean, like you said, WeWork still exists in the world right now. And I don't know if that's me saying yes necessarily, but I wouldn't say it's not an easy no. Like it's not like I'm never going to enter one. Like I was looking at WeWork memberships like a few months ago when I was like losing my my head with work from home. That said, no, I don't think I would say like, I don't think personally I would ever live in a rental property that was fully managed by a startup. That's just not my risk tolerance. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just not there. I think there's lots of people that are, but like maybe those are the same people who believe that hacker homes are like useful for their work. I think it takes a certain kind of person. And I I think one thing we, we have yet to see is like, can Adam Newman admit and own up to the mistakes that he made with WeWork? I think that would go a really long way with not just journalists, but users, investors, the general tech community. That's a great question because that's one that Mark Andreessen brought up in the press release as well, or his blog post about this was that something to the effect of like founders learning from their mistakes and doing things better the second time around. But I haven't seen any indication that that's necessarily going to happen. And I think that could be a big snag for this company as they try to recruit talent, you know? Yeah. Their former employees at WeWork were not treated well. A ton of them were laid off while the company started struggling, while Adam Newman himself walked away with a $1 billion exit package. Like personally, if I were a tech employee looking at where to work, I would be wary. I wouldn't necessarily rule it out, but I would be very wary about joining a venture run by someone who has that kind of track record. Right. And it's weird because I actually didn't even bring this up yet, but I got a DM yesterday from someone who was like, hey, can you introduce me to the folks over at Flow? I really want to work there. If I get the job, I will be your source on the inside. Wow. And that to me 
beyond a lot of like the VCs they say on my timeline, I know what everyone's response is going to be. DMs are where you get surprised. Yeah, they're spicy. <laughs> my DMs have been full of a lot of people being super positive about the news, which I'm here for because I think it, it helps me kind of step outside a natural, easy reaction. That person DMing me that, I was like, yeah, I mean, people follow Adam Newman the same way they follow Elon Musk. It's like an ideology. And so I think that there is going to be- The cult of we. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I teed myself up for that. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I think there's probably that really natural insect where people are going to want to work for his cult of we again, <laughs> cult of flow. But yeah, I, I guess if they work with press, which Andreessen Horowitz does not do too much historically, right. they responded for comment with the blog post and saying that that's all they have to share at this time. I did request comment from flow. So if I ever do hear back from them, I will definitely let you know. Yeah. But I don't you know. In a way, I'm kind of like if you were going to answer questions and be transparent, we could see a different company here. Right, right. It doesn't necessarily seem like that's what's happening. But I think one thing that really struck me in this question of like, is Adam Newman the right guy to run this is a lot yes. of people bringing up some comparisons with like Adam Newman versus Elizabeth Holmes. Like, oh my God, just kind of like putting all like somewhat sketchy startup founders in the same category, which like personally, I don't think really holds water as an argument. Oh my God. Thank you. Yes. I I struggle with this because like, I won't lie, like I originally was liking those tweets and like getting it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. You get the anger. Like women and people of color. Yeah, it's like, and it's so hard because I mean, and this is why I honestly think podcasts and honestly podcasts the most and then news stories and then Twitter work in terms of having a nuanced conversation right. about this. But like what Connie said, my editor here, she was just like, it undermines the argument to bring up Elizabeth Holmes as the founder that didn't get the same treatment or luck that Adam Newman has because Elizabeth Holmes committed fraud and Adam Newman didn't. And I want to hear what you think on that because I think that to me, like I agree completely, but I also think that that took a minute for me to understand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, there's a lot of anger and a lot of emotion that even I was feeling as well. You know, when you see someone like this, who's been given so many second, third, fourth chances to fail and, you know, not just fail, but also mistreat his employees. It is really frustrating when you think about how many founders are out there who are women and people of color who would never be even afforded the first chance, right? Let alone the second one. But it also forced me to think a little bit about how much of my anger is like being directed to Adam Newman specifically versus the system that enabled him to rise, right? Like he was never going to, I, this is something Maggie said, our producer, and I thought it was really smart, was like Adam Newman was never going to put himself in timeout, right? That's up to the system and that's up to the people who are backing him ultimately as well. You know, it's not just... And I don't want to single out A16Z here. Like, I think you're totally right. Totally. That if they hadn't invested, someone else would have given him the check, right? So Yeah. And I think what we've seen from reactions so far, too, is like a lot of people are pro this. And I don't know if one side is louder than the other, honestly. I feel like I have a pretty diverse Twitter timeline yeah. and source base. And so I've enjoyed being surprised by people's reactions and seeing both sides throughout. But yeah. But I, I totally agree. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's like stop comparing Adam Newman to Elizabeth Holmes because they're two dramatically different scenarios. And I think neither of them would say no to more money. Right. One of them committed fraud and one of them didn't. I don't know. It's this weird dynamic. Right. And not all shitty behavior from leadership is the same. And I actually, just going off on a quick tangent here, Please. this reminds me of a lot of these like, you know, startup sort of expose stories that we've seen. And I think my one frustration with them is I think they're super important and, and we should like push for more transparency and leadership. But a lot of 
stories and narratives around startups that fail, like put a bunch of different bad actions into the same bucket or category. And that's the thing, right? Like we have to be really specific about Adam Newman did this particular thing, which was bad, right? Like he made the decision to lay off a bunch of his employees while he got a big payout. That is different from knowing your product doesn't work and still selling it to investors. Community adjusted EBITDA is like <laughs> kind of like slicing and dicing in a silly and truly nonsensical way right. versus what Elizabeth Holmes did and eventually got indicted for. Wait, yeah. Okay, she got indicted. I was like, I forget where we are and what year Oh my God. For a second. I want to stay with you on that tangent for a second, actually, and talk a little bit about how arguments can water down other arguments. And I think the female founder takedown story, for example, right. has unfortunately become, I think, like a very fair frustration that female founders have where it's like they're worried to be vulnerable because they'll get looped into this bucket because some bad reporting has watered down like the true reporting that should be done on female founders that happen to be doing bad things. Yeah. And it's not just the reporting. It's even just like overly generalized discussions of these really specific problems. Right. The nuance is not just like there to make us feel good about ourselves. Like it is truly a difference. I do want to talk more about female founders reaction to Adam Newman's return because it is true that Let's take away Elizabeth Holmes from the example. I think we both agree on that not being useful anymore. No. The Adam Newman privilege is a really real dynamic that's happening. And people are getting from seeing him get, you know, Andreessen Horowitz's biggest check they've ever written in their history. I mean, talk about Signal. Right. And so one founder I spoke to, Allison Byers, she is the founder of Scroobius. It's a platform that aims to diversify startups and make founders more venture-backable. And she really described this feeling of muted rage, which I thought was like, Really well put. So just to quote her really quickly, she says, quote, there's this undertone of acceptance and almost learned helplessness or trauma we've all experienced so much. It doesn't make the same impact anymore. This all seems new and horrendous to those who have opened their eyes to the systemic issues of VC funding over the past couple of years, but we've been dealing with it forever. It's really just a matter of fact, and I can't let it consume my day because I've got normal load of female founders to do. Wow. End quote. I mean, what's your reaction to that perspective? The the last part is so real. Like she's got to actually build and she's got shit to do. Like I get it, man. I get it. She's busy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing, right? Is like, this is such, it's emblematic of a much broader ecosystem-wide problem that people have been throwing their hands in the air and saying like, we don't know how to fix this for ages. Female founders still get like less than 2% of VC funding overall. I don't want to single out A16Z specifically for this because this is a problem throughout the ecosystem. But, you know, looking at some data from Crunchbase, like it seems like they haven't backed a ton of diverse founders either. I don't know the full accuracy of this data. Like, you know, it's just based on what I've seen on the Crunchbase database. But like over Q1 and Q2 of this year, A16Z made 119 investments and about 11 are in diverse founders. Like that's that's, that's pretty bad. It's pretty low. It's not representative of the overall population of the U.S. where they're investing or, or anything even remotely close to that. But I think that's the reason why people were so like this Adam Newman story really hit a nerve because it's like, like this is another yet another high profile example of the fact that like you can be working really hard. You can be building something great. You can be close to perfect. And still you're not going to get attention from these VCs at the end of the day because it's all about network. Yeah. Yeah. It feels a little like I actually asked Kate Broddick about this, who's a GP at the W Fund. And I was like, well, why are we seeing a seed round of this magnitude when everyone else is telling me that all seed stage investors care about these days is business fundamentals and the fundamentals, yes. Proof of product and and track record, but like, yeah, proof. Proof, proof, proof is all I'm hearing. Here we are seeing vision and 
notoriety get backed. And if I was a founder as a woman of color, like I imagine I would read this and well, like how Allison put it, where it's like, I would feel muted rage, but like it's still rage and I wouldn't know exactly what to do next. And I don't know if that's even a question that either of us can talk through, but it's just kind of like this frustration where I'm like, no one really agrees on what venture should be invested in. And you kind of have to play your own game. Just being surprised and upset doesn't really change things for you probably. Right. And that's for what Max said about, you know, it being an understandable investment from A16Z. It's true. It sucks, but it's true. And at the end of the day, like, it's not to say that only these white guys who already have proven that they can raise a billion dollars can build amazing businesses. That's the opposite of true. But also, like, VCs aren't really being incentivized to cast a wider net, right? That's a separate problem, which involves, like, their stakeholders and their LPs and what those people are pushing for. But I think that's how big the problem is right now. And it's really hard to, like, think through a solution when people aren't even on the same page about what the goals should be as a VC firm. Like, a lot of people think VC firms should be doing all this stuff out of, like, charity or the goodness of their heart. But, like, no, at the end of the day, they have to make a return. And the fact is that diverse founders will be able to make them that return. Yeah. But at the same time, taking the quote-unquote safe path of backing the same set of white guys over and over again, like, I guess is also a valid strategy and also could work. So what that means for, like, women and people of color who are raising funds for the first time or women and POC founders who are raising money just means that, like, okay, well, I guess you will have to work twice as hard to get half the attention. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, that's just where we are today. It's like there's so much progress being made around emerging fund managers and the people who get to see and choose who gets their capital, which I will continue to beat the drums for. Is that the phrase? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think (laughs) you're right. But like something that Danny Crichton, when he was on the pod, we were talking about this a while ago, where he was just like, we're going to see those seeds turn into trees and plants like very far down the road, right? Like there's a reason why we're not seeing a $350 million check go that way. And I'm not saying it has to be the diverse people funding diverse people. I think there needs to be like a broader change in the collective venture mindset. But I think if anyone listening is like, I thought we were making so much progress. Like I still think we are. I think there is hope to be found and we will continue looking at it. But I think there's also a reason why an emerging fund manager doesn't yet have the investment capabilities of Andreessen Horowitz, which they're not even a venture capital firm anymore. So like, should we be even looking at them as venture capital? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. They're an RAA. Yeah. We still don't know like the details of the deal. And my understanding probably is that it's not fully $350 million in cash. And so there are like ways we can put boundaries and not kind of completely get lost in frustration. Or if you're pro this, if you're pro this, it's also like, this is not the end of how we're going to be covering Adam Newman. There's a lot more where this is coming from. So there's like on both sides, a lot more we still have to answer. Yeah. And hopefully there's some reason for optimism and hope too. You know, the time horizons for some of these investments are just so long and it really does take, I think the shift has to happen at the sourcing level. It has to happen in terms of how are VCs actually building their networks and interacting and talking to people. And those changes do take a really long time for people of color and for women to break in to those conversations that history historically they haven't had access to. But I have hope that it's happening. And as as infuriating as like I did personally find this Adam Newman story, it's not the end at all. It's not something that I want to let get into my head personally. And I hope that others feel the same way. We we got to keep fighting. Yeah. I mean, I also want to interview this person. I want to ask questions. Like I want to have an actual conversation about this because I feel like that's a lot more effective than just raging on the internet, which I'm glad we aren't doing because like similar to comparing him to Elizabeth Holmes, like just writing off any of the positives of WeWork would completely undermine arguments 
et cetera, et cetera. I want to end with kind of a return to our starting question, which is, do we think the return of Adam Newman is a result of vision, track record, or privilege? Have you ended on any of those as the right answer? That's a great question. I would say it's a combination of vision and privilege. I think whose vision gets credit is almost a direct result of privilege. So maybe that is kind of what it comes down to at the end of the day. I do think, you know, it's a good idea, but hey, there's a lot of founders out here with a lot of good ideas. So I know in that crowded marketplace of ideas, why is it that Adam Newman was the one to get selected versus anyone else? It's not that he's any necessarily like worse. I mean, yes, in some ways, but he also has some experience, but is he really that much better that he deserves like the biggest check A16Z has ever written? Like that, I'm not so sure. So I'll land on privilege there. But what about you? I would say all three. I completely feel you. I think it's kind of a cop out, but I think they all blend into each other where it was like his vision and ability to envision that he showed with WeWork that probably helped a track record of getting attention and just knowing how to get people to give him money. That is what it takes to be a venture-backed founder. Like in order to be venture-backed, you need to be able to get venture-backing. And I feel like that's what he's really damn good at. And then privilege of getting that second chance to spite all the negative publicity that eventually saw his ouster, right? These are things that have impacted him in the past and he's found a way to repackage in a way that got him this chance. But I also think that you perfectly said he's not necessarily like going to space or trying to do something that's like super otherworldly. Disrupting the rental market is a startup idea we've seen once a day for like the past 10 years. And so why is it Adam Newman? I don't I I know because of those three reasons, but it's important to remember that it's not like a crazy idea necessarily. It's not a moonshot at all. No, no, it's not. And I think you also interviewed a founder of a similar startup too, right? For the story. Yeah, yeah. Common founder. I mean, that was the first company I thought of when I heard this. And I was like, Common's trying to do this. It's trying to make rental real estate have more community feel. And their former CEO, still their founder, Brad, was basically just like, this is a lot of money, but I'm very positive about it. Common, interestingly enough, operates in a former We Live building. So full circle, tech is just full of copycats. I'm so happy we talked about this though. And it felt therapeutic and I hope it did for you too. Absolutely. Because there's a lot more where this came from. Yeah. Hopefully we push the envelope on this discussion a little bit. I know that I got a lot of my thoughts out and feelings out. So it was certainly therapeutic. Thanks for having me on. Yes, of course. And if we missed anything, let us know kindly at Equity Pod. Anita, where can people find you on the internet and on TechCrunch? Yeah, you can hit me up at, at Anita Ramaswamy on Twitter or at chain underscore reaction on Twitter. It's the podcast and newsletter that I am a co-host of. It's an amazing podcast and newsletter. And you recently brought on Jackie, who is one of our newer crypto reporters as well, which it just makes it a really fun crypto team. Yeah, it's been a blast. So definitely be sure to check out Chain Reaction. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Anita. And everyone else, you will hear from us on Friday with a special guest. So stay tuned. Bye. Bye. 